Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, welcome to the Liverpool Playhouse. Please welcome a man who's worried that he won't outlive Shane McGowan. Is Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, Liverpool. Oh, yeah, you're much better than last week's audience. Rubbish. Hooray! Hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Liverpool Sleigh House Theatre Podcast. Yeah, I'm going to murder you all later. It's going to be quite the podcast. Got to get some numbers up, got to get the downloads up. Uh, there was on the uh, Magical Mystery bus tour today. Amazing. None of the Beatles were even on the bus. I, I was completely... There wasn't a single one. Not even anyone dressed like Ringo. The, the driver called it Rahul Astapur. Anyway, so there we go. Um, and some more uh, Liverpool facts. This is for the people at home, more than you people in the room, because, of course, you know uh, this. Uh, the, uh, Liverpool is home to Britain's largest clock face. That is... Uh, that's, come on, you should be more pleased with that. That's the, be- that's the best thing you have here, the, uh, the clock face on the live building. It's 25 feet in diameter where the clocks on uh, Queen Elizabeth Tower, which houses the bell, Big Ben. Uh, Two feet smaller in diameter, so well done, Liverpool. You've got bigger clocks than than London here in Liverpool. I said bigger clocks. Um, You are no longer a UNESCO World Heritage Site. That's not... Well done on losing that. You got it? You went, ah, fuck it, let's knock some of these buildings down. UNESCO will never notice. They notice. Uh, And, uh, oh, yeah, the world's uh, first, I think only, surviving all-female sextuplets were born in Liverpool, the Waltons. Do you reckon anyone managed to bangle six of them? (laughs) They're right, they're grown up now. Well, now they're grown up. They're grown up. That was what I was thinking. Also, like, the sex tuplet bit, just that puts that in your mind, doesn't it? (laughs) 
It's an amazing band. There's a one-man show in that, and I've, I've, I've seen a video of them at 30. They're, they're up five out of six. They're good. And you just do the other one to complete the set. Any of them in? <laughs> Let's get started. Now revealed my plan. They may not. I mean, if you do a couple, it's impressive, right? Uh, so, look, I'm, that, that kind of humour belongs in the 20th century. I do apologise. I'm a very forward-looking man. Uh, my guest this week, fantastic guest for you, is uh, actually the cousin of uh, last week's guest. which I did not know until they got here. And they didn't know for a while. Um, is, of course, best known, you'll remember him, as Mr Jackson from Still Open All Hours. That's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about him tonight. Will you please welcome the amazing Neil Fitzmaurice, ladies and gentlemen. Neil Fitzmaurice. I can see it. Mr Jackson. It's Mr Jackson. There was a lot of potential... First, best known force for you, Neil, because yeah. you've done a lot of you've done a lot of things. What did you? Uh, I, I never saw still open all. I, did, I enjoyed open all hours. I, yeah. I, I never, I never saw. I think, the, I think the fact that it was still open. Was <laughs> still, mistake, I mean, it sort of sounds the yeah. title of it. It sounds, was still open during lockdown. I think, you know? <laughs> Was it, did people recognise you from Mr Jackson? No, they don't. No. <laughs> no I, don't, I don't get stopped in the street with Mr Jackson. I didn't even know that was his name. Yeah, was, there's a lot. I didn't even know. I, I don't know most of the people I've ever played, I'll be honest with you. Um, happy times, did you get to meet David Jason? Oh yes, I got to meet Sir David. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> he was lovely, no, he was lovely. lovely. He was lovely. Oh boy, it's fantastic. Um, look, I, I, I've known you for a while. We've worked together in stand-up. And I knew you. I sort of thought, this guy's a stand-up. He does a bit of acting. I've seen him in quite a lot of sitcoms. But, like, you're really... You've been acting for, like, 30 or 40 years in, in, and have been in everything. <laughs> I it's, wish. It's incredible. Yeah, I've been a Because I, I, mean, I was sort of... Impre- you know, I thought I was impressed with you as, a, as a, an actor just from the fact you're in The Office, you're in uh, Peter Kay's uh, Phoenix Nights, and you're in Peep Show, which are probably the three biggest sitcoms yeah. uh, of that of that era, certainly. So yeah. that, that's pretty impressive. People might might not remember you from The Office. Do you want to tell people what you? I was now? yeah, I was in the so I'm in the first first series of The Office. I'm I'm in the first scene of the first series in The Office. And I, I, when I got there, because we were we were writing the second series of Phoenix Nights when I was asked to go and do it. Right. And um, Ashitar, the producer, that phoned up and said because I'd already believe it or not, I'd auditioned for to play Gareth. Okay. Um, and the other guy did a pretty good job of that. So right. uh, <laughs> I could have been the difference there, couldn't I? I could have really bombed the office there. Um, but so because I'd got so close to, to getting Gareth for some yeah. bizarre reason, they um, Ashitar had phoned up and said, "Do you want to come and do a bit in this in the series?" And so I was hired in the first episode, and it was the first time anyone had ever seen. Well, Brent hadn't come out then; he was just yeah. doing it then. And, and, uh, and they shot the first bit over my shoulder and I was just laughing uncontrollably <laughs> because he was doing all the vis-a-vis and, uh, and it was just incredible to watch. So I'm hired in the first episode and then sacked in the last episode and I have this whole debate about the differences between dwarfs and midgets with him. Um, <laughs> which went on for ages because he had libs. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I often think that about The Office because like, The Office was very nearly not a success. Right? It's one of those shows yeah. that went out and nobody really noticed it. Yeah. And then it got repeated, yep. and everyone noticed it. Yeah. And it's one of those cra- and and it's one that I know the control of the BBC two didn't like it mm. at the time, and then afterwards claims that she it was her idea, basically, as they always do. And it, and and that, so it did. Those those people who the actors who did get the, the big roles, it sort of made their careers. careers. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like yeah. to get that close to. Being. It is a bit. Yeah, you've done. You've had a fine career anyway. Yeah. But, if I write but, a book about myself, it'll be it'll be titled something like "Close but No Cigar." Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> but it is. A, it's a mate. And when you on the other side, I've auditioned for sitcoms. I've written sitcoms and then auditioned people. And you often get down to two people, and you kind of think, mm, should toss a coin more. Yeah. You know. And if and none of my sitcoms have then gone on to be that successful <laughs> that they've made anyone's career. But you know, it's amazing to think that it's it's on those sort of slight. I, I, I mean, the acting profession is, it's, it's, yeah. it's aesthetic and, and it's, there's so many things that go down to chance. And I was asked once, many years ago, to come in and help cast a show. World Productions were doing a show. 
and um, they wanted someone to play uh, Three Sisters. So there were groups of three girls coming in, and I was reading in. I was just reading in for their dad. Um, and, uh, and, and it was just a, a, a procession of girls all day in threes and then mixing the threes. And they had photographs of them all. And I was sort of, they broke for lunch and all these, it was, I was watching all these actors wanting to, the way I did, the way you, the, you're coming in, you're trying to do the right thing yeah. and you're trying to do it. And they had all these, um, back in the day, Polaroids. You remember them? Yeah. Um, and, and they had Polaroid pictures of all, the, of all the cast, all these girls. And they were just, I was, they'd forgotten I was in the room, I think. And they were just going, no, 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 <laughs> right. no. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, man, this is what this game is about. No. It is. It's horrible. It, it's, it's, really, it's, a really, um, it's a really tough, you know, it's a really tough profession to be in, I think, for them. Yeah, and, you, I, and again, I didn't know that. I assumed that you'd been, you'd been trained because you've done so much acting, you've got so much work. And it's a really difficult business to get into. I know this. I've done a little bit of acting, and I hardly ever get any acting parts. And if you go up for them, so, there's so much competition. But you've not been. You weren't trained. Tell us how. How did you get? How did this start? Because you've been. You started young. I, like. I mean, I. So I left school. I went to a school in Anfield called Anfield Comprehensive, which was 1,200 boys. It was a. It was an all boys school, and it was a really. It was a kind of really. Not now when you go into school and and it's all painted. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> and they have like, you know, Mahatma Gandhi quotes and <laughs> inspirational Einstein quotes. And we had like, you know, Stevie always a grass spray painted on a wall. You know what I mean, that's, that's what we had. And, and it was just, there was no, you know, I left, I left that school. I mean, I went to a careers meeting and I knew I wanted to be an actor. I'd done drama in school and just, I just instantly knew that I wanted to yeah. be long-term unemployed <laughs> for the rest of the <laughs> I remember going to a, to, a, to a careers meeting and the guy said, what do you want to, what, all right, then what do, you want to do? And I said, I want to be an actor. And he said, oh, what about roofing? That was, that was his, that was his, he sort of flicked through, couldn't find acting. And I went, what about roofing? So that, I mean, I left school in 85, right in the middle of Thatcher's, you know, um, this place was earmarked for destruction, you know what I mean? It was yeah. the manageable decline and uh, Liverpool, you know, a lot of my, I mean, it sounds awful. I'm, I'm going to try and make it funny, but it's, it's mostly about heroin now. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of my mates kind of were just, it, it, there wasn't a lot of hope at no. all. There wasn't a lot. And, but uh, I didn't want to, I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to try and make a way of filming, filming in the city. I didn't really want to go to London. I didn't want to go to, I'm very strong family orientated and I just yeah. didn't want to leave my family. I didn't want to leave and go to London. A lot of people have the desire to get out and branch out and, you know, plough their own... F I don't, I didn't. Yeah. So I just wanted to stay at home and <laughs> have me tea and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I, I never, I never went... So it was a much harder route to, yeah. to get into, you know, local theatre and youth theatre and then, and then sort of, you know... And then basically what happened was I, I couldn't get anywhere. So that's when stand-up came along. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, I always had that thing about being a bit of a smart-ass and, and then I thought I'd try and do stand-up, because I was watching TV one day and everyone on TV, I think it was a, there was a comedy series and it was Emma Thompson, Robbie Coltrane and, and Hugh Laurie and Stephen yeah. Fry. they were all Oxbridge kind of, you yeah, know, comedians. Cambridge yeah, Cambridge Footlights. Well, apart from, uh, apart from uh, Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, but so there was a lot of that link was there of like comedy yeah. and I sort of segued it in my head and said, I wonder if, if I tried doing stand-up, whether or not I'd, everything I've ever done has been to try and advance being an actor, that, that, that's... Yeah. And in some cases, it's sort of gotten away of it because I've never really put 100% into anything else. But the, you, again, you sort of have to do that. And I think, yeah. and I think, I think a lot of the best uh, you know, creative people are going, aren't just satisfied with doing one thing. And I think if you're creative, which you clearly, I do a lot of writing and you do, and you know, obviously you do stand up as well. Acting can sometimes be a, a, a little bit too, I mean, A, you're not working a lot of the time. And if you are working, there's still a lot of waiting around. And you either have to be the kind of person who can do something else at the same time or just empty your brain and just sit there until someone says it's time to go on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> There's a few of those. Can the acting position. Uh, so like, I think you know, you're obviously someone with lots of ideas and lots of, you know, uh, and so stand-up was a good... I really thought you were a stand-up who did a bit of acting, so that's, which is the biggest compliment I yeah, can give I'll you. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> because because a lot of, and most people who are actors who try stand-up don't, don't cut the mustard, really, I think. You know, you, you can tell. Yeah, and, it's, and I guess it's in a way, I mean, I, 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 shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be flippant about stand-up because it's been very important in my career, really, yeah. because it was through stand-up that I ended up meeting Peter Kay and yeah. then we ended up doing writing Phoenix Nights and stuff and, yeah. and the Peter Kay thing. So, so I can't, you know, it, it, I guess sometimes I just feel like I didn't give it enough attention that it should have done because of what it, it sort of yielded for me, if you like. But that was my route, really. There was no, 
when you leave school and, and I, I had no kind of you know I didn't have a, a, a any connection to, to 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 the industry at all. Me, no, you know, my dad just wanted us all to be jockeys. He loved to bet me, dad. He was mad. He's just, <laughs> right. he'd sort of look at us disappointed when we grew. You know what I mean? Because he. <laughs> Oh, you're too late now. You're too big. <laughs> but it's you know it's so it is really impressive that to to have got I think especially if you've got into the acting world in the way that you have without you know without the connections without the training you know and then to to be you know to have had this career where you if you look at your CV online it's constant you know it looks like constant working I'm sure there've been times when you haven't been working but Actually, it looks yeah. it looks like you're you know you've... that's the beauty of writing your own CV online. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the Peter Kay obviously was was a, a really big deal. Was that clear when you because you you wrote for like the Peter Kay thing and did a couple of little parts in it, right? Is that is that right? Or yeah, so we met we met in the final of the uh, the new comedy awards, BBC New Comedy Awards, mm. and then um, Peter got um, had already won. So you think you're funny, which is Channel Four version. Pete's, you know, it, it, even then was was it was was an incredible stand-up comic. I mean, the one thing that he just excels in more than anything is just being able to make people laugh. It's yeah. extraordinary to watch. And he, 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 got a, he got a pilot. He got a one-episode commission. Um, and he asked me to help write on it. And, um, and off the back of that, he got a, a six-episode uh, deal. And that yeah. became the, uh, the Peter K, that Peter K thing. Yeah. So we were writing on that together, really. Me, Pete and Dave wrote on that. And then, um, and then that won a British Comedy Award. So then... But of course, you know, Pete was very much the flagship of it. It was Pete's vehicle and stuff. And then me and Dave were obviously writing it with him. And then, and then he got um, he got a commission of of a series, and that's where that's where the uh, Phoenix Knights came from. Yeah. And Phoenix Knights very much like The Office, sort of. I mean, they put it on it on a Thursday night at twenty five to eleven. Yeah. And uh, you know, you can do a show that you love, and and then you get it commissioned, and then you get it made, and you think. You think it's it's all flying, and then you know the commission and Edsa phones up and says we've got it slotted on a Thursday night at twenty five to eleven. And you go, well, <laughs> you've just killed it. Everything we've just done, all our hard work, it's gone. Who's going to watch? Who's going to spend a Thursday night at twenty five? Twenty five to not even half ten. It wasn't even that specific, you know. But alongside that, I, I'd had this dream for years of. I, I mean, Liverpool is such a beautiful city, and I used to drive. I used to drive along the Dock Road and see these. And they're still there now. They had the old sugar. They had the old sugar factory thing that was like the big dome. I think that's still there now, on the dock road. And they had these buildings that had the zigzag staircases out the side. You know, like yeah. when you and a lot of the time they shoot New York City and, and, and American shots are shot in Liverpool yeah. for that very reason. It's, right. just, it's the it's the biggest um, filmed city outside of London. Yeah. Um, in the country and uh, probably in yeah, it's definitely in this country anyway because of uh, because of the buildings and the architecture. So I always had this idea that I always wanted to do something and, and try and control it as much as I could. And, yeah. and, and it happened at the same time as a friend of mine wanted to be a producer and he'd been producing plays and stuff and he moved down to London. And, and then we found out in the mid to late 90s that there was a tax exemption thing. A bit of a con, basically. Um, so what happened was people were allowed to invest uh, their money into film production. Now, when you do a film, your film budget, if you've got a, a million-pound film budget... You spend all that million pounds and you don't acquire anything. So there's no tax to pay on it. Yeah. You're only taxed on a product. So it only becomes taxable when that film comes out. Because if it doesn't come out, you've only got a, a canister with a film in it and it doesn't belong to anyone. It's such a weird kind of vague area. They've clamped down on it now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but what happened was there was, a, there was, so there was like a, a tax exemption thing where people were just plowing money into, into films. And my mate had gone down to, 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 like, sort of his dream to be a producer. And he called me up and he said, um, look, I've met these people and, and they've got access to funds, but I haven't got a product, I haven't got a film script. And I hadn't worked in 10 years as an actor. I hadn't worked at all right. from, from 89 to 90-odd. I hadn't worked at all. And he said to me, have you got any ideas? And, and I, I, I had, I'm, one of, I'm the youngest of four brothers and... Um, Two of my brothers owned a gym. We had a gymnasium in, in, in Stanley Road uh, in Kirkdale. So it, I vicariously entered the world of the dark and misty underworld, you know what I mean? Because I used to listen to these conversations of people and some of these people were full-on hardcore gangster lunatics, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and then I started just gathering these stories and, and listening to these, to these stories. And, and I was always fascinated with writing a story about someone who accidentally became a gangster. It was more like disorganised crime rather than organised crime. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, this idea that they all wear the sharp suits and, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted something that was a little bit more truthful and a little bit more about a vic victim of circumstances. Uh, and so I wrote a script. Uh, uh, what happened was I put the phone down for me, mate, and I was living with my girlfriend at the time, and she said, go and write your idea. Just go and write your idea. And I was living in a, in a, in a, uh, a house in Kensington, for those of you listening, not that Kensington. Um, <laughs> very much not that Kensington. <laughs> the people listening is going, but he's doing all right for himself, isn't he? No. Um, and I went upstairs and I wrote this. I wrote this. And within 12 months of the phone call, we were on a yacht in Cannes. Wow. And it had been made. And, uh, we'd, but, but bear in mind, we'd shot this on. We had very little money at yeah. all. And every was family members helped. And it was extraordinary. We had a... We got we got uh, given these three trucks. We knew these guys who had a truck rental place, and they said, "Look, we've got three trucks there. We're not using." So we used one as a camera truck, we used one as a costume truck, and one as a makeup truck. And we had them all parked behind each other when we were on location. But we only had one tax disc. Right. <laughs> right. This is a true story. So what we did was we had a kid whose job it was through the entire film. He would sit in the front seat next to the driver, and when the police turned up, which they always would when you were shooting location stuff. When the police turned up and got out and chatted to the driver, his job was to get the tax disc and run it to the next van before the copper got there. <laughs> and that's what his job was. He was the tax disc boy. And, and so we couldn't really afford anything, really. We got, we got a Bernard Hill in it. Yeah. There's a film called Going Off Big Time. It's on, it's on Prime now. It's made right. a fortune. I've never seen a penny of it. Really? Yeah. It's, yeah, the biggest gangsters are the ones you, <laughs> you hand your film to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that was, so that was kind of going on weirdly, sort of uh, traversing Phoenix Nights. And, yeah. Um, so, in fact, Peter was in it. Peter, Peter played a part in, in going off big time. So, and that's the thing I'll be most proud of, I think, when I, when I finally get my ticket punched, I think, because my family came to it. Did it? Yeah. My family came to the screen, and then Samuel L. Jackson came to the screen, for God's sake. <laughs> okay. It was really bizarre. He came walking down. I was doing a speech before the film started, thanking the producers and thanking all the investors. And this guy came walking down with, a, with a, a Kango cap on. And he had a, a, a large popcorn in one hand and a drink in the other. And two blokes flanking him. And I couldn't really see. Like this now, I can't really, you can't really see. And as I was saying something, he went, go, Fitzy. And I went, oh, that's a bit weird. Um, and then when he sat down, it was fucking Samuel Jackson. And he was doing a film called 50 First Date that he was just in pre-production of. So right. he'd been invited to come and see this. This film and I, yeah, it was so that would be my proudest thing. Yeah, but it, you know, and it did well, didn't it? And it, 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 it did really well. It got, yeah, it got, it got, yeah. it got you. You know, independent cinema then was a struggle. Independent cinema now is a nightmare, yeah. um, because cinemas are owned by America, the American cinemas chains, and they. When we when we were doing going off big time, which was ninety nine, we made. I think it was released in ninety nine, two thousand. You had to get a. I think Pete mentioned it last week. Yes, last week. Yeah. You here last week? <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> um, I'm not having this last week. Was that Samuel L. Jackson? It might have been him. Just leave. He needs to put the Kango back on and all that. Um, uh, you know, you had to have faxes from America to cinemas in this country to let them show trailers and stuff. And now it's even worse because now it's just Star Wars or, or, or the Avengers. Or... Yeah. So independent cinema is, is such a difficult thing to do and it's, it's, it's really annoying because there's so many talented people out here who don't get a chance to do it. So... Going off big time, getting released at all was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. you know, for the thing we shot it on, we green lit the film on ninety thousand pound, right? And we shot it on um, anamorphic, which was Ben Hare. So basically, you have this anamorphic film stock, and it's seventy millimeter. It's just this incredible. So they shot Ben Hare on it, and then they realised it was really expensive and just put it all on a shelf, and no one used it. <laughs> and we went, yeah, we'll have that for nothing. Thank you very much. Well, it just meant that you had to have an anamorphic converter in the cinemas. Yeah. to show it but we got up loads of them at them so we just we just seated the pants shot the film and we were running out of money all the time and we had this we, we had sixty thousand pound that was coming to us from the del monte empire do you remember the advert the yeah. man from del <laughs> yeah that man in orange um well this is the story so they 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 withdrew their we they withdrew their investments a week before we were planning on spending oh it so we we were the only people in the world, the man from Del Monte said no to. <laughs> that, that's, that's how we lived with that one. But it was really, you know, we were, we were running out of money. We didn't know yeah. if we were ever going to finish the film. So that, I think, will go down I think, as, as the, biggest, the biggest thing for pride for me, a sense of pride. Yeah, but again, Nick, so this is something most... I mean, most people would get that opportunity and, go, oh, and fumble it or not do it. So, to, you know, again, it's just... You've, you've got something... You've got the drive in you that you knew you didn't want to be a roofer. 
I had the same thing with my my career's advice. I said I wanted to be a comedian, and he, he said it's not on the form. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I think he said you you should work in a bank, which was uh, even I knew that was bullshit because I'm like, oh, everyone in my family was a teacher, so I knew if I wasn't going to be a comedian, I was going to be a teacher. So I didn't need a career. So you know, these guys, you know, what about up to banks? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, so to to do that, and you know, you must have been what in your. Thir- thir- we were sort of in your 20s or 30s there. You were young anyway, weren't you, in the, in the 90s? Yeah, I was. I was, I was uh, 29. Yeah, yeah, 30, yeah, yeah 29, so, yeah, 30. So I think with me, it's always been a thing of... of I, 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 my drive is being told I can't do it. That's, I think that's probably... Yeah. If I have any talent at all, it's trying to prove people wrong, I think. And, and because I came from a, an area where there was no one... Act, there was no actors really knocking about, and you, and you were constantly being told no, yeah. I think that was probably, and still does to this day, is probably what drives me. If you tell me... I, was at a, I, was, I wrote another film... Um, and we were in a um, we were in some party somewhere, and this film, uh, he was a distributor, and he said, and he was just an arsehole, you know. He was just, I mean, this industry's full of them. He was just an absolute tit, and he said, um, if I can give you one bit of advice, don't ever put. Um, I'd just written this script, and he said, don't ever put death or somebody's name in the title of a film because <laughs> they never work. And I went, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> well, it was called a graduate, but yeah. um, but I called I called my name I called my film Charlie Knows R.I.P. because I thought I'm going to put a name and death in it because you said I couldn't. <laughs> so that's I think that's what drives me. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's it's that thing of like not being able to, being told I can't do it. Yeah, and then let's talk about Peep Show because it's like that turns out to be just an amazing Jeff in Peep Show. It turns out to be an amazing character, which I presume you get recognised for all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's, it's almost like a dream because it, it's just a character who comes in every now and again in an episode, is brilliant that. and is yeah. completely memorable. And, you know, it's... it's... Yeah, and it, was, it was one of them things that, again, it was uh, um, a guy called Ian Morris who went on to write The Inbetweeners and stuff. Yeah. He was, um, he was, a, uh, he was a, a commissioner at Channel 4 and he was a big fan of Phoenix Knights. And, um, and they were doing Peep Show, and he, and he called them up and said, do you want to come down? And I actually, believe it or not, read for Superhands. Really? Yeah, Mar- yeah, no, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I really want to be in this alternate universe where, just, you're, no. where you're, like an episode you're in of Pirates of the Caribbean. Isn't it? You know well, I mean? yeah. yeah, it's weird. <laughs> an episode of Sliders where I made it, you know what I mean? Um, so, so, yeah, it was weird. I went for, so Matt King, obviously, was doing Super, And then he went, oh, does this character Jeff... Um, and I started reading it, and I went, do you want me own accent? And I went, yeah. And it's just something about, you know, the Scouse thing and, and, and being a bit of a smart arse. And, yeah. Uh, and it just seems to connect with it. And I still have, I have more people, weirdly now, more people uh, talk about Peep Show than, than Phoenix Nights, I think, because Peep Show um, is generational. I mean, students love Peep Show. It's a big student show, and then they pass it on. And, yeah, I think so. You know, and then I think it's, it's took up that mantle of that. So I get loads of photographs where people go, can you just do that? Because <laughs> it's one of the things that Peep Show... I think because we just, we, we were like probably maybe in lockdown or maybe just before lockdown, we re-watched the whole of Peep Show. It's one of those shows that I think you do keep coming back to. It's a very, you know, it's what an amazing show to, to so be clever. a part of. Yeah, it was. And you never, never knew at the time, you know, Olivia Coleman was in it for God's sake. Yeah. And you, know, you, don't, you don't know, you don't know where, and she's, she was amazing then, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you just watch people like that, oh, there's no surprise that she went to Stella Heights because she's just a phenomenal actress. And you watch her doing stuff, you know, you, you watch her offset when she's just adding stuff to scenes and she's just extraordinary talent, you know. Yeah. But, you know, and, and David was... Uh, David was exactly the same as Dave as Mark Horrigan. <laughs> He's exactly... It was funny, I, sometimes... He'd be, he, I don't think he'd ever seen anyone from Liverpool before. I don't think he'd ever... <laughs> I don't... It was just terrifying to him. So he never really got round me at all. He was just sort of, hello. Um... And every now and again, like he'd be doing like a crossword in the independent or something, and uh, in between, and I'd you know I'd, I'd lean over and I'd go, oh, uh, seven across. I think that's inappropriate. And he'd go, yes. <laughs> Just astounded that I had an education. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, it is, Neil. Well done. <laughs> yes. Um, I had, I had to do. We had to do a scene once in in Peep Show when I'd I'd moved in with Sophie with Olivia Coleman's character. And, um, and then we've split up and, and I'm packing my stuff out the flat. And, and uh, the, we had to do this little scene where he turns around to me and he says, I think you better leave, Jeff. And, um, and I turn around to him and I go, and I look at him and I go, who's going to fucking make me? Are you going to fucking make me? And we did the rehearsal and he, I sh- I, he shit himself. It was unbelievable. <laughs> he went white, you know, and, and, and then... And then, he was, and then he went missing, right? So they were setting up for the shot and then I went, where's... where's um, Where's Dave? 
And he went, oh, he's, he's, he's gone outside. <laughs> he fucking crapped himself. Because it, it was such a weird environment. He hadn't, I don't think he'd been north of the Wofford Gap. I mean, by the way, you'd probably sue me because he has. But I, I, it just seemed odd. It seemed like I was... It fitted that character because yeah, I was so was... different from everyone else Absolutely. in it. You know what I mean? And it was a great show. It was really a really difficult show to do because the discipline of acting is not to look down the camera lens. Yes. And all of Peep Show was looking down the camera lens. So I would find myself looking at the people standing... Because what they would do is we, when we f- did the first series, they they constructed a harness and it was a camera lens that went right there in the centre of your eyes and like a kind of harness that went over your head. So they just sort of moved like that, because it was all PO. It was originally called POV, the show, which is point of view, but they changed it to peep show. But what happened was, when they'd do like a one take, the person had lifted off, and they'd have all marks on their head where this <laughs> thing had been. So they'd have to wait for that to go to shoot the reverses. So it became totally impractical to yeah. do it. So it was just a handheld cameraman over the shoulder, and then you would basically have the person saying lines off, so they would be standing right next to them. But because they're standing right next to it, the discipline as an actor is, is you would be looking across at them all the time because right. you didn't want to look down the lens. Yeah. But you had to look down the lens. So it was quite a tricky show to do. And when you had stuff that we had, we had a place we all worked in called JLB Credit with the amazing Patterson Joseph who played yeah. Johnson. Just an unbelievable actor. Just yeah. incredible. Um, and you had like nine or ten people sitting at a table. It would take a week to do a scene or two scenes. Because you had to shoot every single POV, right? So you'd sh- you'd do this thing to death, you know. So it was it was quite a, it was quite a challenge to shoot, but it was an amazing show to be on, and it was and amazing to see how it how it grows and still does. I still get asked to do like peep show quizzes, yeah. And these all go around the country and they pack out as a thousand people all shouting, "Jeff, you wanker!" <laughs> <laughs> this is extraordinary. I like Jeff. I want I want I want him to win. Well, this is the thing. People always say to me, you're so... I mean, he was voted apparently like the Channel 4's worst, biggest comedy baddie or something. Right. Which is great, but <laughs> for me, it was Mark Corrigan who was the, who was the arsehole of yeah. that show. I mean, he was the opinionated one who sort of slagged everyone off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I just kind of found him out a bit. But... Yeah. No, terrific. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm going to ask you some emergency questions because, you know, people will be upset if they haven't had one from available in the foyer. Um, can you sign go... them, Richard? Are they okay, available I can to sign, sign? I can sign them. Brilliant. I can do whatever. I can, uh, I can do a print of my bollock on them, if you like. We'll get some ink. My one bollock. If you can peel it off your leg. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very, it's very hot today. Very hot. Um, it's very hot today. Uh, well, let's go down the line. Have you ever seen a ghost? Question number three, if you're following at home. No, I haven't. But I was, I was once, um, I was riding up my bike, I was riding up my street on my grifter. You remember the grifter bikes? Yeah. Fucking amazing. Mine was silver, beautiful. Um, and I heard a scream come from a house. And it was a house of people I knew, kids that I knocked about with. And I ran in the house. And uh, they'd been doing a Ouija board. Oh, God, yeah. So it's a Ouija board related story. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the girl whose house it was um, had punched her, her fist through a window. And 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 put uh, and the other people in there were screaming, saying she was pushed 
All right. So I never saw a ghost, but the, the, I was, those, I was you were near, close, like second cousins to a ghost. Cycling close. I nearly, yeah. yeah. My so, grift, my, luckily my grifter got me there too late. <laughs> Heavy bike. Yeah, I've just been reading Danny Robbins' book, which is, uh, he, he does some fantastic podcasts about ghosts and stuff. There's some, some spooky stuff about Ouija boards in there, but if they worked, they'd work all the time, right? They wouldn't just work every now and then. It's like, come down. do you know what's my theory on ghosts is if you had the ability as a ghost to be a ghost... You wouldn't fucking blow a pencil, would you? You wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't throw a stone in a fucking castle at four in the morning. So everybody goes, "What's that?" What a fucking waste of time that'd be. You'd be going, yeah. like a fucking lunatic. It just seems like a waste of an opportunity, doesn't it? It does. It's like, you know, show me a, a psychic who's who's won the lottery. Yes. No, oh, we can't do that. It's crossing the streets. Oh, you get you get struck off. No, you don't. You just can't fucking do it. <laughs> Maybe they all secretly have done. Maybe it. they do. Maybe they have won it. Yeah, exactly. They, you know, keep it keep it tight so they can make some more money. Um, uh, let's we'll go we're going right down the line today. I'm asking questions I haven't asked anyone for a long time. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? I'm just doing it. Say it again. Cheer. Sorry. Uh, it's a hand made out of ham or yeah. an armpit that dispenses sun cream. Wow, it's a tricky yeah. one, isn't it? It's tough. I mean, you've probably been asked it a million times. I, yeah, I swear to God, I'm sick of it. You'd think I'd have an answer by now, wouldn't you? So the hand can regrow if you eat it. So oh, okay. Yeah. So, this, this is... but, so the sun cream is only enough... It'll give you enough for personal use, but you won't be able to sell it. But you can choose the factor, but you can't change the factor. It's fucking amazing. Once you've, cho- once you've chosen the factor, you've got to stick you've with You've got to stick with that factor. Yeah, it's very important that you... That's amazing. You can choose the ham. I'd think it's ham all day, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, ham. Okay. David Mitchell took a long time over this he question. Well, he, would, wouldn't he? he would, wouldn't he? He probably drew a graph, didn't he, or something? There must have been some sort of... Now, just David, wait a second. David Mitchell's the only person who has asked about the residue that would come off the ham. There, wouldn't there be a residue coming yeah. off the ham? Yeah. <laughs> so How do you keep the ham fresh? Would you yeah. have to have a little mini fridge? I think it would just stay fresh. It's just part of just, your hand. It's just part of your hand. So it would just be like your hand stays fresh, doesn't it, until you die. <laughs> or until they, cho- they, they it's, chop it's a true. bit of it off, don't they? Yeah. It's like it's fresh on the pig until they chop it off. I mean, that's a, that's a question that keeps on giving that, isn't it? It is. You, it is. I didn't expect that much from that question. It's amazing. It's you know, good, a good to my question. kids when I get home. Um, I mean, I could talk to you about all your roles, and it, it is fantastic you've got so many stories about them. Um, I do want to know, and someone has mentioned this particular part, but you, you've worked with Henry Winkler, a.k.a. The Fonz. Uh, was, it on a, was it a film? It was a, no, it was a kid's show. Kids so show. Henry Winkler is dyslexic. Right. Um, you didn't you think I was going to start with that, did I you? I did not. Um, and he, so he wrote, a, he wrote a series of books about a kid with dyslexia. I think it's called... Um, it, it's called Hank Zipser. It's something <laughs> Hank, like that. Hank Zipser or something. Yeah, but his one's... Uh, it's, it's an American thing. Okay. And then he brought it over to the UK. And, um, and I played his dad. I played Hank Zipser's dad. And uh, Henry Winkler played... Uh, Mr. Rock, who was the music teacher. Okay. Um, and it was based on when he was a kid, a teacher who, who sort of helped him go. It was an amazing thing because Henry Winkler, man, we were sitting in a makeup chair one day and, and the theme tunes of Happy Days come on. <laughs> and it was fucking weird because I didn't know whether to do it. And he just looked up and he went, Yeah, no, it's okay. So <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Happy Days, Thursday, Friday. I didn't know when he was going to go, Fuck off. But he was a, such an amazing man. Yeah. He was the kind of guy, he, he sort of like was so L.A. high. But he meant it. It wasn't like he was being... And if he walked past you and didn't let on to you, he would come after you and tap you and say, I'm so sorry I never let on. He was right. an amazing man. And he, he told me his story. Because he had a... You know, he was, he'd go through his phone, he'd go, oh, there's a photograph. And it was a photograph of him and Muhammad Ali and John Lennon. And I'm fucking frantically going through my phone like fucking... Fluella Benjamin and stuff going out. It's not going to fly. That's not going to fucking cut it. You know what I mean? Me and Rod Hull and Emu, that's not going to happen. He's just the coolest man in the world. He was like, yeah. uh, uh, and, and he had this massive high in his career because the funds was, yeah. was incredible, you know. And Because um, that's where the, you know, the saying, jumping the shark comes from. Yeah. The, the expression was, it was a storyline in Happy Days where the funds jumped over a shark on a motorbike. And it, basically it's now an acronym, well, it's now a, a, a statement for being ridiculous so yeah. if they say jumping the shark in script writing it means that you've fucking lost a plot basically yeah it's, it's um, just gone too it's far. just gone too far it's jumping the shark so he went from that he had his own he was the only actor tv actor to have a parking space in paramount pictures right. everyone else were all contracted actors you know film actors yeah and the moment it finished he, he turned up and they just put the barrier down it was yeah. like a literal pulling of the rug so he had a whole different thing to, to contend with so he's been there and been there and he's 
and he's yeah. an amazing actor. But just more importantly, and just a, a really, really lovely person. It's good to know because they're yeah. not—they aren't all n- no. nice. Uh, and oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm going to try and get you started. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he is, and he's uh, and he's had this resurgence, resurgence recently as yeah. well. He's fantastic in Barry, which is I don't know if you've seen that, but he's, he's uh, Arrested Development and stuff like Arrested that. Arrested Development, well yeah. That. So he's, he's you know, but it is. But that's what's interesting. You see, so like had you know, you can get a part. Too, like, especially if it's early, you get a part and then it defines you and then you can't do anything else. So, like, in a way, to, to kind of have memorable roles and, and things Absolutely. that people, you know, and, but then still be able to go on to the next thing. Because you do serious, you know, you, the, all these are comedy we're talking about, which is, but you've done, you've, you know, you're doing straight acting, you're doing, mm. you know, you're, you're doing all different fields of acting. And yeah. I think it's, you know, you haven't been typecast. No, that's a good, that's a really yeah. good thing. It's nice to be known for stuff, but not to be down that road. And yeah. You know, I, I, I've been lucky enough to do dramas as well. And yeah. um, I mean, now I'm in, uh, you know, I'm a regular character in Waterloo Road, which yeah. is great, man. It's just such a lovely, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be fucking James Bond. And now I, I just want to be able to fucking afford chicken nuggets for me kids. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you just, um, you know, you, you adapt to what's going on. And, 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 and this business is even harder now. It's, it's really, really difficult. It's, it's, it's such a hard, it's such a hard profession to maintain. Uh, a career yeah. in so so when I look over the stuff I've, and I've had this conversation so many times with people because I've had it in the past people go oh my god man what, how come you're not doing this and how come you're not doing that and I'm like well you know what I'm married with four kids and I have spent pretty much every day of my life with my wife and four kids yeah and and that to me is is I mean that sounds corny and I apologize but it's 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 true for me I know loads I know loads of actors who um have gone really successful but have but are divorced and don't and, and have you know splintered, yep. sort of fractured kind of relationships with Ben, and I, I never that was never something that ever interested me at all. And we never watch any of my stuff in my house. There's no, <laughs> honestly, me and my wife got pissed about a month ago and watched going off big time because as I say, it's on Amazon Prime, and yeah. and that's probably I could probably count on both hands the amount of times I've seen that in in over twenty years, twenty five years, whatever, thirty yeah. years. I never watch anything I'm in. I never. It's never mentioned and. Yeah, well, this you know, good, but you know, a lot of people take a long. I mean, I personally, I've t- took a long time to get to that point. You yeah. know, to realize. Well, you know, I, I've had my family late, but you, you, you know, you do. Most people take a, especially in this profession, take a twenty years and then go, oh, actually, you know, even though all the films they're in are about how dads realize that their family are more important <laughs> than their work, <laughs> yeah. they don't learn that yeah. lesson, even though yeah. that's what every single film is about. <laughs> uh, but it, you know, so it's, it was very, it was mature of you to realize, you know, to realize that at the get go that you wanted to stay here. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, and it's amazing. Oh, no, don't get me wrong, I'm going to fuck it off the first chance I got now, John. <laughs> uh, no, it is. It's just, it's, no, it's organic and it? it's yeah. one of the things that, you know, I, as I say, I didn't, I didn't want to go away. I didn't want to do that thing living on my own and, and no. uh, down in London for God knows how many years and maybe still living in now. I don't know. I just felt that there was something here for me, keeping me here to. And it did, you know, it did. And going off big time was that catalyst for that, I think. And uh, and then you look at it now and you, and you think, it is tough. And, it, you know, I still struggle for work. I still, you know, I don't... Every now and again, I'll get an offer. But it's, it's they're few and far between. I, my agent last year, uh, well, my agent's assistant. Um, yeah. That didn't take long. Um, why can't I speak to her, though? Um, she... <laughs> She, well, I had an agent before that, and it was I, I, when I did when I did going off big time, and it got. I was at an awards um, ceremony, and I was up for it was up for um, four British Independent Film Awards, which yeah. is a huge thing for a, a domestic, you know, um, film in Liverpool with a tiny budget. And it was we were up against um, Billy Elliot, fucker. Um, <laughs> so so, and I was up for best actor, best newcomer to screen, and the Biffer Awards are huge awards, you know, the, the, it's the British Independent Film Awards. And that was my moment where I thought, oh, my God, if I win, a, if I win a, 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 this award, I mean, because we'd had two screens in Cannes. We had, because we got a Cannes, opened in the Cannes Film Festival. We had this old cinema called the Star Cinema, which is a 75-seater cinema, beautiful old cinema. Yeah. And we had two screens in a week, and we, it was self-funded, this. It was all like, you know, you, you got over there, you tried to promote your film, and no one had heard of us. And um, our first screen, there was 12 people in there. And in Cannes, it's all buyers. That's all the only people go to. Your general public aren't allowed in. It's buyers, it's distributors, it's all industry-connected people. And we had 12 people in a 75-seater cinema. And that was on the Sunday. And then we had one more screen on the Thursday, and then we were going home then. And um, the 12 people spoke to other people, and it's like that. And, yeah. and 
on the Thursday, we had 125 people trying to get into the cinema, and they were all in industry. Yeah. And, and, I, and I went, oh, my God, this is going to do it. This is going to do it. So you get to them points where you go, this is going to do it, and then it doesn't. Yeah. And then... Um, and then we were at the British Independent Film Awards and it was just me and, our, me, and my brother left in our tuxes. We hadn't won anything, right? <laughs> Everyone had gone. And it was literally the woman hoovering. Ooh, <laughs> I, I shit you not. And we had that much kind of lager left. And, and I said to Tony, when that lager's gone, this is all over, this is it. This was the last thing of going off big time, really. So as we were finishing it, I just heard this, 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 this weird how these things happen. Yeah. The dots connect. I heard this girl shouting, going off big time. And I turned around and it was an actress called Samantha Morton. Yes. She's an amazing actress, wow. Oscar-nominated actress. Yeah, yeah. But she's from Nottingham, and she had a really troubled childhood, yeah. Samantha Morton. And, uh, 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 and she came over, and she was one of the judges on, on the panel, and she said, I voted for your film in every category. She said, I loved it. Oh, because wow. she was a Nottingham girl, and this was a Liverpool film, and it, it, it sort of sang out to her, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so she said, what are you doing next? And I said, fucking nothing. Finishing this, <laughs> staying in a shit hotel down the road, probably get a pizza... And she said, well, who's your agent? And I said, I haven't got one. So she tore a cigarette packet and she wrote her agent's number. And she said, I'll, right. I'll speak to her tomorrow and you call her on Monday. So I had this weird conversation. with. I mean, and when the, the agent who phoned sort of was so posh, it was incredible. <laughs> and, um, and she said, do you have, a, do you have a, a, a tape with any of your work on it? It's like talking to the Queen, you know what I mean? <laughs> So I said, well, I said, where about you based? And she said, Piccadilly. I said, well, I'm on the ABC cinema around the corner. So my film was fucking on the cinema. So she, she hired me instantly as an agent. But the problem with that hair as an agent was, she, I'd phone up and I'd go, is, is, um, is Nikki there? And they go, no, she's, she's in Saint-Tropez with one of her clients. And I'm like, where are you? I'm in fucking Kensington, not that one. Um, so it's, it's so, so just getting back, I'm sorry, I've, I've gone off the beat path. But no, I'm just talking about my, my career now, it ups and downs all the time. My, um, my uh, agent's assistant uh, called me last year and she said, I've got a couple of jobs for you. One was like, she sent them through and one was, one was like, you know, bloking queue. And I, I, so I phoned her, I said, look, don't send me any fucking bloking queue. Or, or before you send it, just fucking name him yeah. <laughs> on the email. Just say he's called Dave, but, you know, he's known as bloke. Just don't send me bloking queue because it makes me feel like, you know, I haven't really gotten anywhere, do you know what I mean? Sure. So she went, well, the other thing is for The Crown. And I went, oh, and she was like, you know, The Crown is such a big job. And I went, yeah, okay. So I looked at it, and what it was, was they, this was only last year, they wanted me to go on tape, because that's a post-COVID thing now, as most, most of the world is now, isn't it? Everything is so much easier when they go, can't see you. Why? COVID. <laughs> it's just a massive excuse for the world not to fucking be in contact with each other anymore, isn't it? Not to... It can be, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I... Uh, Everything's on tape now. So you have to send tapes all the time, which has its pros and cons, you know what I mean? They wanted me to go on tape to read dialogue, to be a character on a television <laughs> in the background of the scene that was wow. being shot. <laughs> They're the moments where you just go, fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> and more importantly, she was suggesting it for yeah, me yeah. when she should have just told them to go and fuck themselves on the phone. So I said, look, don't, I mean, so that's yeah. my job. That's, that's how it is. And, and, and any kind of work I get, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful of getting because sure. you never know when it's going to stop. Yeah, it's, we know, but that is the life of an actor and it is, yeah. it is uh, you know, it's, it is a weird... I mean, I, I went up for a part in Sherlock, which I, I didn't get, but I, I had to go, go... It was when they were still doing auditions live and I had to go somewhere... And it was literally, and when I saw it, the guy, it was like an effect. So you didn't see the guy's face, and it was just a voice echoing, saying, I think, one or two words. You know, why, why did they get people into audition? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you know what it is? What it, so that. what it basically is, 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 the, is the, the casting director's invoice. Yeah. That's all it is. Casting directors will charge five days casting. Yes. When they could have done it in one day but they want to do five days casting because they'll charge per day. So they'll yeah. get 60 people in to read Shadowy Figure when they could have just got some, <laughs> someone in they knew. And yeah. that's how this business works. It's so, you know, directors have agents. We all have agents. And, yeah. and, and it's all part of that thing of, like, making, spinning the job out. And that's the, that's the ridiculous yeah, thing about guess, this job. You know? I guess it is. Um, look, I want to uh, bring this up, and we don't have to talk about it for too long if you don't want to. Uh, but I just I'm in, I'm interested to see like post this. But you, uh, what I didn't know until today was you were at Hillsborough and you were 
like seriously in Hillsborough. Um, and you've talked about this before, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm finding this difficult to talk about having listened to you talk about it. Um, uh, and so people, if you want to go and see that, I would say, I don't want you to relive that now. But, and this was obviously early on in your life, in your career. And, and the, yeah, I was 19. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and what, what effect do you think that's had on on driving you, uh, you know, forwards and, and making you driven. And, you know, it, 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 it's such a big thing, right, to experience at 19. And you write about it and talk about it very eloquently, but, you know, it's, it's, you saw things that um, must have been very, very difficult to cope with. Um, is, is that part of, of, of your life still? Is it, part, is, it, is, it, is it a thing that drives you? I mean, and, and have you got any... Obviously, the, the aftermath of, of what happened to everyone in Liverpool and, and everyone who was there was so t- horrific as on top of everything else you experienced. Is there any closure in what's happened in terms of culpability having been corrupt? Oh, that was, yeah, well, that was, yeah, that was a massive, that was a massive thing because, yeah, yeah there was the, so it's, it's basically, it's, anyone who's experienced PTSD, it's called survivor guilt. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. You never, you never leave that. I'll have to. <sighs> If we we don't have to talk about it if you if you don't want to talk about it but it's it's um no it's yeah it's a, yeah it's a, it'll, it'll always be a very uh... yeah okay really difficult yeah sure um but like I mean, it's you know and I know it's such a big thing in this city and I know it will be this is going to be hard for everyone else so I, I just it just it, it's I, 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 there's a documentary right that people can can see if they if they're interested and i think it it, it it but i think the whole experience sort of again it helps sum up this city but it also what the city has been through right and i think for for uh i, I hope people will look into it but i but it's, I it's think as well as well i think it's what it is is that it makes me it, one of the things is that it's made me it makes you sort of evaluate stuff yeah so you i'm not it's that's probably why i'm content yeah I'm content with the way things are. I'm content with where I am. I'm content with... Because there was always that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that it will always be the shadowy figure. But if there's any positive from it at all, it's because you've got that as a yardstick, because yeah. you've got that as your, your low, then pretty much everything else you yeah, can handle. Yeah, okay. You know I mean? I so I think that. that's been... That's the positive aspect of it, I think, is, yeah. that, is that you can... If things get me down, I go... You know, I have a moment where I go, fucking, what am I talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing. It puts, puts things in perspective. It does put things in perspective. And also, it's really interesting that, you know, the, the comedy is your job. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 and I think comedy has that power, right, that, it's, that it is a way of not, not to put things away or, you know, yeah. say it didn't happen, but to help cope with that stuff. And I think that's, you know, I think that, again, must have been an amazing thing for this city, that sense of humour was there and comedy was there and celebration of life was there. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but for you to... Get through that, and then go. I still want to be an actor, and I still want to. Yeah, comedy. I think. I think you know. I think it was that was the whole the whole eighty nine to ninety nine sort of period of barren thing. It was was probably because of that because yeah. you you know you're lost and you don't know what's going on and you're suffering a lot from PTSD and stuff. Of course, of course. but I think after I think you you and like there's a lot of people here affected by it. Yeah, and, of course. Um, obviously, the city and 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 beyond. But um, you, you you just sort of use. I, I guess it's coping mechanisms, isn't it? I think you just. You know, you you um, you get you. The further away from it you go, I think a large a large part of it was the, the was this idea that everyone thought we were culpable. That I think yeah. that was that was a huge burden for 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 everyone to cope with. And I think the moment that you know that that was sort of turned around, and the, the spirit of the city is remarkable. I know it sounds very cliched, but it's an it is an incredible city, and it, and it, and it's an incredible. It's it. I've always said this about about Liverpool is you could if you needed someone to back you up it, it didn't it wouldn't really matter what, what your issue was if you bumped into someone from Liverpool they would just go come on then yeah and it, it's just part of that it's part of that city culture of like go on what, what's up well, who's, why, why are they well alright then fuck it I'm with you <laughs> and it's, 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 it's an amazing source of pride to me to, to come from a place where there is they don't believe in division you know, it's 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 a very it's it's a very inclusive city in in that respect. I think when people just I just love that sense of sense of honour that they have. You know, where they just go, you know what, fuck it, I'm standing with you on that, and it it is a remarkable place. And you know, 
it was, um, and, and because I think it was very much victimised because of, uh, of Hillsborough and because of how easy, how easy it is to, 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 to set up, um, you know, a narrative that the entire country believes and, and, and lo and behold is it, you know, we've, we're living through a narrative now. Yes. We're living through a right-wing Tory narrative that, that ruined the career of a, of a socialist MP and, and, and brought in brought in a right-wing fucking Tory government who are raping and pillaging this fucking country. And, 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 and it's because of right-wing media outlets that, that perpetuate this nonsense. And that's it's exactly the same thing as Hillsborough was. It was, yeah. it was a meeting between governments and between the media to say, right, let's redirect this narrative because we are culpable, but let, it's so much easier to say that they were. And that's how that was born. And yeah. it, was inst it was instantly born. And it was believed for 30 years. And still is believed by some people. Let's yeah. be honest. Even fucking idiots in this world who still will not look at the evidence and not look at the truth and just go, ah, fuck it. Because it's easier to say you're a murderer or you, you know. And it, but this whole Brexit and fucking business we're in now is, is the same. It's, we have, it's, no one's learned from it. I, mean, I think we're worse now. I think we're so much of an apathetic country now. I think, I think so much people look up from their screens and they go, oh, that's terrible, and then they look back down, and I think it's, it's awful what's going on at the moment. That's I think. true. Well, it, 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 I think he's, you're exactly right, and that, that is, I, and I always say this, but it's, uh, in, in England, it's only Liverpool that's like this. In Scotland, there's a few places, you go to Scotland and no, Ireland, there's, you know, Glasgow's very like Liverpool, I it's think. It's an interesting thing, because a lot, I mean, I've always had this, this thing that there is, there's always a tie-up between dock cities. Yeah. So you've got Newcastle, you've got Glasgow, yes, you've Newcastle. got Belfast, you've got Liverpool, and it's Liverpool. I don't know so much about the other cities, but Liverpool is a very matriarchal city. It was, it was, it was, um, and then the docks and the you know ships coming in and out and the banter and the, and and, that, and there's something very something they say about looking out, isn't it? There's something about when a city looks out to an ocean, to a sea, and and it, it just it makes it more inviting, sort of thing, rather than being enclosed and this. There's a definite link between between those port cities. It's a really interesting thing. But yeah. uh, they're all Glasgow is exactly the same kind of place, you know. It's yeah. and all interestingly places that have, that have all suffered have all suffered, you know, at the hands of shitty governments and stuff. It's a, it's amazing, isn't it? You think that? Yeah, and and I think you know exactly right. And and Liverpool, you know, they were the the the, city, the kind of people tried to divide down sectarian lines. I'm not saying it's not <laughs> not uh, still there a little bit. But that it was the first place they went. No, they, they realised what they were doing. That they were that they were trying to get them against each other rather than against the people who were really the trouble. Which is everything. It's 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 the Me Too movement. It's the it's the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It's it's everyone going. Look, it's, it's, the, it's yeah. them and them and not and not them at the top. It's That's, amazing, isn't it? It's yeah. the same sort of cycle all the time, yeah. and we're still falling for it. And it's I think it's more annoying when you're on the outside going, "Are you fucking stupid?" Because this is <laughs> this is quite clearly what's going on. And yeah. you know, I've just I, I mean, my leaving school in in the eighties. I, I was talking about this to my wife the other day. My my eldest son graduated from Warwick University, and my only experience as an adult of university was when we when I took him three years ago for his open day. <laughs> and university was not even a word that was used, certainly not in my household. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you can go to this place, this field of learning and meet different people and meet different cultures and, 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 and grow, you know, it's that thing from, from, from the apron strings to being a man or being a woman and being independent. Is that, I, don't know, I think university is really important for that, I think. Yeah. The idea that you have to pay for it is, is absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Um, and the idea that kids are coming out of there with £50,000 worth yeah, of debt. It's insane. You know, but it, that, that is insane. And I, you know, my generation, I went to university and it was, I think my parents had to make a little bit of a contribution, but it was basically free and no, no, no strings attached. And it's, yeah, it's that, but, you know, I suppose everything's, everything's sort of going that way a little bit, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. But it is, but they're talking about putting up to £9,000 a year and, yeah. and, and then, and then, and then a, lot of them, a, lot of the, a lot of the modules are, on, are online. And you just think, yeah. what the fuck? My, my son graduated, but his, his paper wasn't properly marked because they were on strike. <laughs> <laughs> so we just said, yes, yeah, just, just put first on it, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, um... Thank you for talking about that, and, and, and so eloquently and beautifully, and uh, you know it's uh, it's an amazing thing. Um, what have you got? Have you got? Have you got, with all this talk of um, 
your agent's not returning your calls? <laughs> she have returns you... them, but just with really <laughs> shit calls. <laughs> have, you got, wish have you got anything coming up that we... That... But I just want to say my agent's great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my agent's coming for a kicking in the last month, so you're, you're going to be okay, not from me. Um, uh, is there, is there... I've just forgotten this is podcast. <laughs> I just I was having a chat with someone. I think, fuck, what have I said? That's what we do here. That's what I do. I'm oh, very... you've reeled me in, man. I'm in so much, I'm in so much trouble now. Next time you watch The Crown, just look at the television in the background. <laughs> I didn't get it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you, they'll look and they'll see the actor who took the <laughs> fucking role, <laughs> the and that, role. that's the person who's going to be pissed off. And he'll have my agent now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the, you know, the stand-up so is, you know, you're such a great stand-up. And you're, oh, thank you, man. And, you, you know, know, you do a lot here in Liverpool with the stand-up. I only do, really. Yeah. I only do, I do Laughter House, which is, yeah. which is uh, I mean, did last night we did the Philharmonic, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, you probably heard all this then, sorry. Um, I, I love it. It's it's the, it's that thing of like you know, st- stand up is such an incredible release, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm one of them people who just I just spend my week tutting, tutting and complaining. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And on a Friday and Saturday night, I get to go out and go, you know what? And uh, and share my angst with people. And yeah. it's 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 and there's something wonderful about 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 doing it, isn't it? Again, without avoiding the cliche, uh, there's something wonderful about, especially when lockdown happened and. And it was a terrible time, wasn't yeah. it? And, 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 and there was, you know, there were comedians going online and doing online comedy. I mean, I can't think of... I don't know whether you did it, Richard. But... <laughs> I did, but don't worry. But it was, Fuck but me, it, my, my comedy's not... I'd rather shit me hand and clap, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I couldn't imagine But I didn't anything. really do stand-up. I didn't do stand-up. I, yeah. I don't think stand-up. You know, I did, well, I did a couple of gigs and it was sort of, okay, but it's nothing. It's not in any way the same as doing a stand-up. It can't be any worse than you're halfway through a gag and you just see someone standing up and walking <laughs> off because the fucking camera's on them there. Um, but when it came back, it was just it, it was it, it was it was such an amazing thing to just see people again and yeah. and people laughing and enjoying themselves. It's a great kind of you get a lot back from it, don't you? I think you do, and I, but but also I just think and, and especially I think you know it's 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 all, it is all about spreading joy, right? And guys who would, and and the kind of the stand up guys just out there every week doing different stuff every week. It's, it's often undervalued, and I think actually that job of going out there and making a room full of people who've had a shitty week yeah. and sometimes a really shitty week and just laugh for, you know, two hours yeah. and then it, doesn't, it hasn't happened here. <laughs> so go, go and see a proper comedy show. Uh, we've done all right. Uh, we've done all right. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, an, and it's a cathartic thing for you as well. You know, I, 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 I mentioned this the other day in another one, but I did Pappy's... Uh, a, pappy, a podcast with the Pappies thing, and it, they're so silly. The Pappies Fun Club guys—I don't know if you know them—but it's just silliness, and you hardly ever get that. And like you're doing yeah. it, and you're laughing, and the audience are laughing, and you just come out and go. You've laughed for two hours, and you just go, "Oh, fuck, you know, I was really tired before I went in there. I was yeah. thinking I wish I'd gone out, stayed at home." It's the endorphins. Yeah, isn't it? it's, an, it's an amazing thing, just and laughter. I, I, and the fact that there isn't a lot to laugh about at yeah, the moment. It is, but I think it's so necessary. It's, it really what, is necessary. It's absolutely necessary, and it can, you know it gets you through absolutely a little bit. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah just yeah. for that little moment there. That's why it's yeah. so important. That's why I love doing it. Still, I don't need to do it. Yeah, I just love to do it. You know, I just love to kind of get out there. Let's keep match fit in it, and yeah, and I love meeting the other comics and stuff like that. And it's it's yeah, uh, yeah it's great. Oh man, look, it's it's such an honour to meet you, and th- and uh, thank you for talking so funnily about your career and so openly about uh, about uh, th- those other aspects of your life. And um, and I wish you very good luck. Not that you need it. I think it's, things are going pretty well. Uh, uh, but I'm a massive fan of your stuff. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give up for Neil Fitzmorris. Thanks so much for coming. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Neil Fitzmorris. Thank you to Scant Regard, who do the music just for these credits, no, nowhere else. Uh, I'm indebted, of course, to Chris Evans, not that one or that one, and Ben Evans, not that one or that one, and thank you to George Lingford and George Ponsford as well. He's, he's a good guy. Thank you to Bex Cliff. Thank you to everyone at the Liverpool Playhouse. Thank you to Avalon, their wonderful production company and management team, whatever Joe Lysett says about them. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash Fallback slash tour or richardhang.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.